All right, I am going to read out of Romans chapter 3 to get us started. Romans chapter 3. I think this is one of the best summaries of the gospel. We always like to start out talking about the gospel. Uh, Romans chapter 3 really gives us a, an excellent idea of who we are and what it is that Jesus Christ has done for us. So looking at Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 9, it says this. <clears throat> what then... Are we, better, are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. And verse 18 says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's really a summary of all that's been talked about. 19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That's important. That's important. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There, that's, what we're, that's what we fall short of, right? That's why we say that we exist to glorify God. 24 says, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is such a eye-opener of a gospel. I mean, just to see that the depravity of mankind, that there's no one who is righteous, there's no one who understands, there's no one who seeks God, that kills the whole seeker-sensitive movement, doesn't it? That there's a huge movement called the seeker-sensitive movement. This kills it. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. So this just goes on and explains, and I really like 18, where it just says there is no fear of God before their eyes. If there was fear of God before their eyes, then this, this would be a, a mute point, right? But there is no fear of God before their eyes. And then it goes on talking about the law and how that um, all the, the world is accountable to to God himself because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight 
It's talking about works. It's trying to earn our salvation. It's what all the false religions in the world are. Is let's earn favor with God by doing good. Let's do good. Let's be uh, justified by our works. We can be pleasing to God by uh, the things that we do because um, everybody's a good person, right? Everybody's a good person inside their hearts. <laughs> That's what the world proclaims, right? That's what the world proclaims. But this, this right here to says much, much different, does it not? And then it goes on to say, how that we are actually saved through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. And it just reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the reason we exist, is falling short. That's what <coughs> sin is, right? Falling short of the glory of God. We exist to glorify Him. And then being justified as a gift, as a gift, a gift by His grace. Sola gratia. That was one of the Five solas of the Reformation is sola fide, faith alone, sola gratia, by grace alone, right? Grace alone, that's what this is talking about. Through the redemption which is Christ. And I love this word propitiation in verse 25. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. That word just means satisfaction, right? So all this is doing is it's showing all this sin, all this wickedness that we are. All of these things that it says that we are and that there's no fear of God, all these things are imputed to Christ whenever he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross, he dies for us, our sins are placed on him because the wages of sin is death. And so whenever Jesus died on the cross, it was a satisfactory offering, right? And that's what all the Old Testament sacrifices were leading up to. They were all leading up to Jesus Christ being a propitiation once and for all, satisfying the wrath of God that should have been poured out upon me, that should have been poured out upon you, on anybody um, that's, that's, a, that's a believer and has um, become a Christian through the grace of God. So this is, uh, and then of course, he's the one that gets the credit for it. He would be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It's all God's work. This is such an amazing and amazing summary of the gospel. And we have to always start out with this because it's so important that we well understand the gospel because it really is the ocean we swim in, right? It's not just our diving board. We don't just understand the gospel and move on to deeper truths, right? Because there really is no deeper truth in the gospel. Everything that we learn is birthed out of that. And so we always want to start our study out talking about the gospel. Of course, this gets into our study also on the sovereignty of God. So we have been walking through the sovereignty of God um, in salvation, and that's what we're, what we're talking about. We've been going through and looking at some different views on how that God works. And we looked um, last week at some pretty big words um, in the week before. You know, we've looked at um, monergism versus synergism. We've looked at Pelagianism, semi-Pelagianism, Arminianism. We've looked at semi-Pelagianism. We've looked at superlapsarianism, infralapsarianism, emeraldism, and Arminianism. Um, and we begin going through uh, just a brief description of what some of these things are. Uh, because if you remember back when we first studied, when we first started this study, we said that everybody believes in the sovereignty of God. 
It's where the disagreement is to where does God's sovereignty end. That's where it's always a disagreement, right? So every one of these views are going to say that God's sovereign, but some of them um, say, well, God's sovereignty falls short, you know, because really man's sovereign. And so really <clears throat> we have to kind of start going through and, and seeing and have a good understanding of what's been being taught. And we got to Augustine. We started looking at Augustinianism and Calvinism. And the reason I put these two together is because they're one and the same. They're one and the same. They taught exactly the same thing. Um, and so we started looking at uh, what it is that Augustine taught. Um, we started looking a little bit at who he was, how that his mother uh, was such an amazing Christian woman that um, Santa Monica was named after her because of her great Christian witness to um, the people that she loved and the people that she was around. And so she is really um, a great woman to, to look at in her witness uh, to, to God and who, and who he is and how that he used her uh, so much that a city was named after her. So that's a, that's a pretty amazing thing. Um, we talked about how that Augustine referred to God as the hound of heaven which I really like. I like that phrase, the hound of heaven, because Augustine seemed to always be running from God. He was always trying to, to get away, and it seemed like God was just pursuing him, right? He was pursuing him. He wouldn't let him go, wouldn't let him go. And he, uh, he eventually um, got a hold of his life and completely changed him and turned him around. And so um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about, um, about every one of these things, and I think we got to this point. It says, or this question, what attribute of God reflects him being the hound of heaven? And is this comforting? <laughs> and is this comforting? So according to Augustine, Augustine's saying that God is the hound of heaven. What attribute would this reflect? And is this comforting to you? What do you guys think? I think it's similar to where when Jesus is talking about the one lost sheep. Yeah. You know, there's 99 in the fold, there's one lost. He's going after them to find them. Yeah. So it's that he cares enough to go after people. Um, and if you go all the way back to the elect, he's off always going after his elect. Everyone that's part of the elect they they have to be drawn to him he has to go after each of us because just like we read no one goes toward him no one seeks him yeah <laughs> that's right so, and how and that is this comforting is, is that yeah. comforting i think it is yeah. yeah yeah anybody else any other thoughts think of the verse that says when we are faithless he remains faithful and so i'd say the faithfulness of god yeah you know if it depended on us, our faithfulness honestly comes and goes. Oh, it does, don't it? And we'd fall a jillion times. That God, fortunately, is unlike us in almost every way. <laughs> so glad. <laughs> and that is comforting that He is faithful even whenever we are not. He's and it's even after we're saved. Yes. That discipline that He has for us. Oh yeah. That is also <laughs> oh, like yeah. the hound of heaven, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Father. Yeah, may I have another? <laughs> yeah. Uh. He doesn't. He doesn't just save us and let us go wander on our own. No. You know. That's right. So. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So what you're saying is even. He's he's a hound of heaven even before we're saved and even after we're saved. Right. He still doesn't just let us do what we want to do, right? Because he indwells us, and so he's always drawing him, drawing us back to himself. He's always faithful. We sometimes want to go this way and do our own thing, and then conviction strikes, <laughs> and then we're drawn back, right? And then we repent, and we ask God to forgive us. <laughs> and it seems to be a, especially when you're a young Christian, it happens a lot. <laughs> It's the love of God. The love of God never fails, never ceases. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is that, that reassurance. His whole motivation is to save us. Yeah. Because he cares. So, I mean, he, he, he doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary of trying to get us to understand the truth and, and to choose him. Because he does not desire for anyone to be lost. So... Yeah, that's, it's, that's the wonderful part about God. Yeah, he love he definitely loves us. I would say also his sovereignty. This shows his sovereignty that he's not like you said the lost sheep running. He's going, nope, you belong to me, right? So that's what he did here with with um, Augustine. So I've got a point here that says his most famous books are City of God and Confessions of Saint Augustine. I don't know if you guys have ever read read any of these. Uh, they're both pretty good. He's very, very hard on himself <laughs> on the confessions of, uh, of um, Augustine or Augustine. depends on wh where you're from, how you pronounce that. Um, but there's some, there's some pretty good stuff that he's written. I haven't read all of Saint of the confessions, but I've read some of it. Um, I've got a point that says all the doctrines of grace are found in his writings. He was a heavy influencer upon John Calvin. Uh, over on page 108... Uh, it says, Augustine responded polemically to Pelagius, who denied the consequences of the fall and taught that good works can lead to redemption, among with other heresies. So remember these two existed at the same time and they were uh, at it. They were uh, fighting one another essentially because um, they were at totally different uh, sides of, um, of God's sovereignty. And so the next point says, Augustine taught that we have free will, but free will is limited to only being able to sin. So men's free will always chooses to do what it's sinful, what, what um, its sin nature um, wants to do, what its strongest desire is, uh, because we have been enslaved to sin. That's why that um, scripture so much talks about how that we are slaves to sin, and Jesus comes along and sets us free whenever we become a Christian. So we're no longer in that bondage. We're no longer chained, unable to do anything good, right? It's this picture of being captive to sin. You've got the shackles on, the shackles of sin. You can't do anything but sin. <laughs> so your free will, that's, that's what it is. You're free to do whatever, however, whatever you can do in those chains, right? So to that extent. But we say even to that, um, that's even limited because we look at common grace. And so with common grace, we see that people are not as wicked as they, t as they naturally would be. So even common grace limits people's sins. So even that isn't true freedom, even being shackled, um, at least until toward the end of, um, of this age, where I think that those shackles are, 
are let much looser because common grace seems to be start, starts to be pulled back, right? Starts to be removed and people begin to kill one another. It talks about with some of the seal judgments, when the seals begin to get broken, right? Man starts killing one another in the streets because common grace is removed, right? Pretty, pretty cool study when you start looking at that in the book of Revelation. Um, so he emphasized the depravity of human nature due to the sin of Adam, or original sin that we call it, and the necessity of divine predestination and the priority of faith over reason. Um, and there's a reason that I think that he did this, faith over reason. Um, I don't entirely agree with that. Uh, I think that faith is reasonable. Uh, I don't think that you can say, you know, that, that you can prioritize faith over reason. Because everything that we do, to me, the most reasonable thing to do is to obey God. <laughs> I mean, the most reasonable thing to do is to study this book. The most reasonable thing to do is to say, yes, Lord, <laughs> all right? And even to look at nature and say there must be a creator. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people get off on this and they look down on reason. And it's because um, we see some great intellects who come against God and they try to use reason to try to disprove God. But to me, they're not reasonable. So whenever you start hearing these different polemics or apologetics that's coming from the other side that's trying to disprove the existence of God or whatever they're trying to do, or prove that Allah's God or some other God's God or Buddha's God or whatever, um, the things that they say are just really not reasonable whenever you start actually taking these things to the logical conclusion like we always try to do in this class. And so to me, it's hard to separate faith and reason because in my mind, they're one and the same, you know. Well, what gets back to the basis of this, though, is faith is believing that that book is true. That's right. Reason doesn't make you think the book is true. Yeah, I guess That's, you could spin it that way, yeah. If you get all the way back to that, because yeah. they don't think that book is true. And and then, so every anything in that book that they can attack right. in any way will then make your faith worthless yeah and so that's why there's been such a hit on creation there's been such a hit on so many different aspects of that book. right because really unless you are saved you do not have the assurance that that book is true yeah that's true so basically I think what you're saying is subjective reasoning right so that would be subjective reasoning that would be because I don't understand the book therefore my reasoning that is subjective to me um, says that God does not exist um, instead of an objective reasoning where I, I, I try to go to something that's objective and says what is truth right Jesus says or that, no it was uh, uh, Pilate what is truth <laughs> right it almost slipped me <laughs> it almost slipped me what is truth you know um, did you see you know what was it the most recent survey that came out is is only 30 percent of of believing Christians think the book is true. Oh, I know, that's amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's incredible. How in the world yeah. can they say they're believers if they don't believe in God's Word? When you start looking at statistics, it gets scary. Because, like, does. Pew Research, I don't know if you've read some yeah. Pew Research stuff, but they yeah. say that 7% seven, seven <laughs> of people who go to church are truly saved. That's it. 
Seven percent. Well, it's a very narrow way. Seven people out of a hundred. Yeah. They go to church. Yeah. That's crazy. I think there are those who, who believe in salvation through Christ Jesus, but because they have not studied the Bible the way they should, beyond that, they're in ignorance. Yeah. Um, and that's why people can stay in certain religions and yet be believers. Yeah. Um, I think as far as you can blame that on the church too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's on the church. Yeah, mm -hmm. each person is responsible for their, yeah. their walk with God, but so are church leaders responsible yeah. to God for what they teach and don't teach. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's accountable. That's right. We just read that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. So, like in faith and reason, they go. I think they go hand in hand, depending on what you're dealing with, because. Um, like God says, come, let us reason together. Yeah. So we do have to have a reasoning, but on those things we don't understand at that point in our life, we have to have faith. Yeah. That, you know, I know that, you know, he died for me. I believe in salvation. There's yeah. so much I don't know. Yeah, that's true. So we trust in God for that. But God is saying, come, let us reason together. Yeah. Be in my word, study my word. And I will reveal more to you. Yeah. But if somebody's just trying to reason it out on their own, yeah, it's not going to work. They, yeah. Trust me, I. Yeah. When I was Mormon, I tried to understand the Bible, and it was mm -hmm. I just couldn't. It meant nothing to me. Mm -hmm. But when I became a believer, it's like, whoa, yeah. that says that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I see that before? <laughs> that brings up another question too. What you just said is it it makes you go well. You know, if if it's reasonable for me to believe something about God, um, because I truly don't understand it yet, I don't have, uh, I haven't got the knowledge to really understand the truth. So therefore, it's reasonable for me to believe something else. How do we, how do we get to 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 show that person to have faith over that thing that they consider to be reasonable? Because that's what's difficult is when somebody thinks something's reasonable, um, how can you get them to act out their faith in showing them um, what is true about God? That's where the Holy Spirit is working yeah. on their it is, heart. But you can look at all the issues of today and see that. Yeah. I mean... You have to be in big denial to believe that people are good at their core. Yeah, you, know do, <laughs> you do. Unless you're well, you also have to be in big denial that there's more than two sexes. Yeah, and yeah. all the other things right. that are going on. Those right. things yeah. are, and and the other thing too is the world thinks believers are ignorant. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about reason and stuff, they, yeah. the world thinks well, they are just all ignorant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah, that's true. So oh, I really think, <laughs> not having studied him in depth, but I really think that what Augustine meant in that statement is that it is a spiritual process, not an intellectual one. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that has to be the work of, the, of God mm -hmm. to draw people to him. Yeah. You know, that most people are, you, you were talking to me about a philosopher who was the exception to that general rule that reason can't get you there, but he studied philosophy and studied and studied and finally yeah. arrived at the belief that Christianity is the yeah. one true philosophy. That's right, Justin Martyr. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
Well, I think it is. It definitely is a spiritual thing. Yes. When God is saying, "Come, let us reason together," He's not talking about. Well, let me get out my book here, and we'll go through these mathematical and scientific principles. Yeah. No, it is. This is the truth. Yeah. This is, and it's a spiritually understood. Yeah. So that reason yeah. is not trying to say, well, maybe um, the sexual immorality is okay in this case, is okay in that, because they, they are decent people. That's, you know, right. God says, no. This yeah. is, well, that's why this people don't want to believe that the word is inspired so they can continue. They love their sin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's right. They like to reason themselves yeah. into justification. But that's for their also sins. why it's so important for the church to teach. Yeah. children from the as yeah. soon as they're little that yeah. that is the book that's the book yeah. it's the most important book you will ever know it has everything in it you ever need right you really have to teach them that yeah. truth and that's be right able to show them exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and exactly. that is kind of what's lacking mm-hmm um, and, and really then, parents should do that, but are they equipped? Have they well, been equipped? Well, they haven't the been taught because yeah. they've been taught. All you have to do is walk the aisle and repeat this prayer. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. That's a good so, point. Yeah. yeah, so Augustine was fighting against Pelagianism, of course, which emphasized human ability and free will rather than depravity and sinfulness. Um, they also taught some Pelagianism. When you really get into it, teach they they taught that there is a possibility of living without sin. This gets reintroduced later, <laughs> um, during uh, during the fir- the the uh, Great Awakening, but um, <clears throat> by another guy, or actually it was the Second Great Awakening, um, in kind of what the Nazarene Church has gone on to start to teach that there is a. Uh, there is a point in sanctification where you no longer sin. Um, I don't think scripture backs that up at all. But Pelagianism backs that up. Um, and so, of course, we know there was a middle ground that was developed called semi-Pelagianism. But I've got a quote here um, called On Nature and Grace Against Pelagius. <laughs> so this is his writing. He's writing to Pelagius. He's writing against Pelagius. They interchanged letters back and forth. Um, and so this is, we have some of his writings. And so does, do I got any volunteers that wants to read this? I, let, I want somebody to read this. And let's just look and pick out some of the things that he's teaching here, some theology, uh, some doctrines that sounds very familiar to us. Any volunteers to read? On the Nature and Grace Against Pelagius. Go ahead. Man's nature indeed was created at first, faultless and without any sin. But that nature of man in which everyone is born from Adam now wants, in other words, needs the physician because it is not sound. All good qualities, no doubt, which it still possesses in its make, life, senses, intellect, it has of the Most High God its creator and maker. But the flaw which darkens and wakens all those natural goods so that it has need of illumination and healing is not contracted not contracted from its blameless creator but from that original sin which is committed by free will which it committed by free will. 
Accordingly, criminal nature has part in which most righteous punishment. For if we are now newly created in Christ, we were, for all that, children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by whose grace we were saved. What stands out in that? Anybody, does anything jump out at you? Yeah, that sentence. Criminal nature has its part in most righteous punishment. <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. We are all criminal in nature. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So maybe instead of saying we're all sinners, we should just say it. We're all criminals. <laughs> <laughs> maybe people would get it a little bit better. People yeah. don't like the word sin. It's not really used in our society that much, but people understand what a criminal is. Yeah. But I've never broken the law. <laughs> <laughs> you've never gotten caught. Yeah. But you've yeah. broken the law. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times when I'm talking about the fall of Adam, I, I use the word treason, you know, because I think that's a word, too, that we understand pretty well. Uh, we know that, that treason is a serious offense against the government, one that's punishable by death. <laughs> so that's one that um, I like to use, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like that. You did, was committing treason against God. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the other thing that pops out is the original sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <coughs> original sin, which was what Pelagius um, fought against. That's right. Yeah. So he's he's saying no. Original sin is something that is scriptural it's something that's in the bible which we've gone over several times in romans chapter five <laughs> so i'm not going to go over it again <laughs> no we're not robots <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so, okay. the fact that he points out that we didn't get this from god you know right. it, it, yeah. is, it is choice yes Adam made and, and yes we're uh, seeing the results of that but mm -hmm. but that god has provided the way of escape Yes, yes, that is the good news. That we were all children of wrath, it says, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead. All that language comes right out of Scripture. It's different Scriptures that he's pulling, right? That's all straight out of Scripture. Dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ, by whose grace we were saved grace right again they go back to that sola gratia that we talked about here so yeah there's a lot of good stuff in there i i like um i like this so we can kind of get an idea of what he's saying here that um because of original sin uh, now you know we have our criminals right so until god comes and uh, and frees us from those shackles breaks us loose where we can f see the truth, we can see the gospel uh, because of what God has done for us. And I like what Paul says. You know, we are, we're saved, but we still do things that are wrong. But it, like Paul says, but it's not me. Mm -hmm. You know, and <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. the sinful nature, but it's not me. It's not my heart yeah. to do this. I don't take ownership of this. Yeah. And I think that is is a beautiful thing too. I mean, you know, recognizing, repenting, but realizing that, you know, yeah. we still belong to God. That we're yeah. sealed. 
signed, sealed, and, and will be delivered. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I just think that's brings such joy. Yeah. To understand that such freedom. It is. It's good to see that it's not just us that struggle, but Paul himself. When you start reading Romans yeah. chapter eight, right, yeah. and you reading about how they really, really struggled with what I want to do, I don't do, and what I do, I don't, you know, I don't want to do. And he goes on, and sometimes mm -hmm. I go, oh, you know, that sounds like me. <laughs> so, the Holy but, Spirit put that there so that we would know we're not hopeless. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. And it's so good, too, that, to see, you know, this is one of the apologetics that we use often, as we, as we say, look, you know, if this book was made up, then nobody would admit their flaws. Right. You know, I mean, why would you admit your flaws? Why would you admit that you have problems? Why would it show that David slept with Bathsheba? I mean, why why did it show all these right. men of God that were, you know, that murdered and committed all these horrendous things, you know, that we look at? Um, if I was going to invent a religion, I would invent uh, prophets and apostles who were perfect, you know, because they were perfectly guided by God and they were, they were flawless, right? <laughs> but that's right, because that's, but we can see that uh, the Bible just shows all these things because what it wants to do is it wants to point to Jesus who was perfect, right? Because we understand that all, no matter how high in stature that we look upon a person as a role model, uh, they fall short, right? They always fall short because we always want to look to Jesus. Yeah. It brings it brings freedom too. I was thinking is um, for people to say, you know, oh, they're going to see I did this wrong, and you know, there's there's that burden of being found out that you're wrong, of of having to apologize, but not but in a, I mean, we apologize as a Christian, but in a diff, it means something different to us versus when we're still a sinner. Yeah, I mean, it it, it being embarrassed feeling unworthy of, of somebody praising us or feeling unworthy that, that somebody would even like us. Yeah. But when you're a Christian and you understand how he feels about us, you understand that, yes, I stumbled and, and fell, but that's, that's not in my heart to be this person. So I can repent, I can move on, I don't take ownership of it, and there's a freedom. You know, even if yeah. somebody doesn't like us, it doesn't matter. Even if we get up and we flub the whole thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. because we realize our weaknesses. We realize it's okay. I mean, I'm a human being. I do I do something wrong. Yeah. I can either correct it. I can repent of it. But it doesn't make my life. It doesn't uh, define me. My future. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And there's such such a freedom in that. I think. That's right. Yeah. And so he gets into on his confessions here in this next mm -hmm. quote. He gets into some some pretty good stuff kind of along these lines too. I got any readers that wants to read uh, the next section here that Augustine wrote? I'll read it. Okay. Great are you, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is your power, and of your wisdom there is no end. And man, being a part of your creation, desires to praise you. Man who bears about with him his mortality, the witness of his sin, even the witness that you resist the proud. Yet man, this part of your creation, desires to praise you. You move us to delight in praising you, 
for you have formed us for yourself. And our hearts are restless till they find rest in you, Lord. And those who seek the Lord shall praise him. Let me seek you, Lord, in calling on you, and call on you in believing in you. For you have been preached unto us, O Lord. My faith calls on you. That faith which you have imparted to me, which you have breathed into me through the incarnation of your Son, through the ministry of your preacher. Mm. You guys like that? That's good, isn't it? That's good. What jumps out at you here? A lot does, but the main thing that hit me was this picture of God breathing breathing faith into us. It reminds me of of creation. Yeah. God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Yes. And now he breathes it into us again as a new creation. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. That is so good. Yeah, kind of, that's, you know, back to, I think, one of the things that was brought up last week. Um, you didn't choose to be born the first time. Mm-hmm. That's a, There's a reason that that this is used, that Jesus says, uh, you you must be born again. It's there's he could have used a different analogy, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Mm-hmm. That's the analogy that he used. And just as life was breathed into Adam, breathed into us when we were created, so is true life whenever we're born again. It's breathed. That faith we're dead. It's you no know, dead. He just talked about being dead in our trespasses and sins before that. A dead person can't do anything, right? But God breathes this, bringing life into the dead person, right? He did it. He breathed that, imparted this faith to me. It says, which you have breathed into me through the incarnation of your Son. Through the ministry of your preacher. Again, understanding the roles, right? Mm-hmm. What our role, because we're preachers, according to Scripture. You know, we are the ones that go out and share the gospel, Right, we anybody can share the gospel, and God uses anybody to to do this. So anybody, whenever we are expressing the gospel to someone, in that an amazing thing to think that when I share the gospel to a lost person, that by the words that God, because the understanding He's given me, that the words of the gospel telling them the truth god could literally be breathing faith into that person and giving them faith through me telling them the gospel and because god just uses us in that way that's a great honor that's a great great privilege to be a part of you know it really is the other thing i see in this is that we can praise god because of what he has done in us, a person who does not know God can't—they can't praise Him. I mean, it, it is, yeah. you know, like you say, breathed into us. But I mean, you can't do it without knowing Him. Yeah, it has no meaning to us whatsoever. Yeah, it's like walking through a cemetery or a morgue and saying, "Okay, come on, give me some praise. Give me some praise." Me some praise. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Speak to me, praise me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they do. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, I like the section where it says, You formed us for yourself, 
and our hearts are restless till they find rest in you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because mm. yes. that really explains mm. what, why the world is the way it is. Yes. That is true. Um, and uh, when you were talking about sharing the gospel with the lost, you got to share the gospel with those that think they're not lost. That's exactly true. <laughs> That's exactly true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what you're saying about that and what he's saying here. Um, it, We're constantly it, doing that in grief share. I'm constantly doing it because people are in a state and they understand a lot of things about it, but we spend all our time talking about the sovereignty of God and that God is in control and that, you know, you've got to let go of your past. You've got to trust him for the future. We just spend so much time talking about that every week. Yeah. And then I have people that are, they're saved and they just, you know, so I I specifically (coughs) work on making sure people are saved. Yeah. Because if they say something to me that gives me a sense that they really aren't a believer because of what they've said, I will definitely. Yeah. That's good that you're that you're listening for that. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I used to teach Bible study at a senior housing place, and most of the things we would study, and afterwards I would say, "Do you have any questions?" So yeah. many people are not sure they're going to heaven. <laughs> you want to know the assurance of your salvation? Okay, let's get the Bible back out. Here. You know, it's like all the time. But you know, you have to do that. Yeah. You want people to have that assurance. Yeah. 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 You do. You do. You want, you want people to... It's questionable if people have never questioned their salvation. You know, I think that every Christian at some point questions their salvation. But I think that's a mark of being a Christian. Yeah, because it bothers you and you go, oh man, because if you're lost, it wouldn't bother you. But I think it's good to be bothered by that question and wrestle through that. But it's also good to finally understand that you are fixed, you are firm, you you are you belong to Jesus. Yeah, you didn't you get your rest. Yeah, because it, yeah. if you think well I and this comes from Arminianism really, when you boil it down to the root of, of Arminianism, you know, if it was up to me to get it, then I can lose it. Right? If synergism is true and it's me working with God, and it has to be us working together, um, therefore it was up to me, um, well then, it's up to me to lose it too. So it's up to me to keep what it. What if my free will changes? Right. If my free will chose it, my free will can change. Yeah. And I'm lost. That's right. That's right. So, that's, that's, so it is good to finally understand that, but I think everybody here has wrestled with that at some point. So true. I mean, and I don't think just when I was younger. I mean, I think there are times even now I think, God, I don't really love you enough. Yeah. I don't love you like you deserve, you know. But yep. does not our own way. But does an unbeliever do. but does an unbeliever say that? Exactly. You know. Not really. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've heard you know, I like to listen to a lot of Q and A's and I've heard this question asked at Grace Community Church to John MacArthur because he does MacArthur does a Q&A. He used to do them every month. I think he still does on Sunday nights. So a certain Sunday night of the week, 
he's done it forever, he'll do a Q&A. And anybody in his church can get up, they get walk the aisle, and there's a microphone set up in the aisle. And they'll walk up and they'll ask John MacArthur a question. And so um, I've heard this question asked a bunch, you know, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I really understand that? And MacArthur always gives the same answer. He always looks at him and he goes, well, because you're asking that question tells me that you are. <laughs> and then he goes on and starts and explains some more, of course, you know, but he always starts out with that. And I'm like, those Q&A things are good. They are. He used to have a pastor in the summer. Um, he would do, he would collect all the questions from mm -hmm. the congregation that people had and he would preach to specifically mm -hmm. to address their questions. That's good. Because people are sitting there with questions and they don't feel comfortable <coughs> asking the questions. Yeah, mm -hmm. that would right. be good for a D2 class. It would be. It would be. Yeah. It would be. Yeah. I, I think it'd be fun. It would. Yeah. Love to do something like that. Yeah. Just yeah. get all those questions together, and then that's that's what the class would be upon. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a yes. lot of fun. Yes, I'm going to do a request for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm gonna get somebody smarter than me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I really like this. I like how that he just exhorts God, and he just talks about just worshiping Him, and and talks about you know I think it's it's neat how that he points to man as just being man's mortality. You know, you man who bears about with him his mortality. You know, like just you're just you're just a mortal man. <laughs> you're nothing more than a mortal man, right? Uh, and all you are is the witness of his sin. <laughs> you know, he talks about the witness of his sin. Uh, and then he goes on, you know, but I, I like how that he, that he, he's glorifying God and showing God to be so big and amazing and man to be so small, you know, just a mere mortal. And, it, and that is why that we praise him. That's one of the reasons why that we praise him is because of who he is in light of who we are, right? And we're just sinful, mortal men. And God comes along and does everything for us. Everything. You know, He gives us everything. And that's just, that's an amazing reason um, to praise Him and to honor Him, to glorify Him. And then He talks about resisting the proud. He resists the proud, which we know uh, is something that is, that's that um, ninja sin, right? It's that one that sneaks up on you. Because most people that, have pride in their life don't know it you know uh, that's one of the questions that I asked the youth uh, a few few weeks ago is is how do you identify pride in your own life <laughs> right it's easy to identify pride in everybody else's life you know we can go oh that person's got pride <laughs> but when it comes to ourselves how do we identify pride in our own lives you know that's a question that um that sometimes it's it's easy to wrestle with, and I had those guys wrestle with it, and they had some good answers. <laughs> you know, so these, I'll tell you that some of these guys are sharp in the youth; they really are. Um, but that is that is I call it the ninja sin because it sneaks up on you. You really don't know you have it, and the way that that we know that we have it is by a lot of prayer, right? A lot of prayer, a lot of reading scripture. Um, Making sure God tells you know shows it to us. Yeah, and you know, really, that's what worship. Do. 
We yeah. do need to ask him to reveal sin yes. that we have that's unconfessed. That's right. Search me in those. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Put me to the I, I pray. Put me to the test. Yeah. I know that I know that God will do it in a way that I will get the message and it'll be for my good. Yeah. He's not gonna beat me up. Right. He's not gonna belittle me or make me feel like a nobody. Yeah. He's gonna do it in love. So I I don't fear asking for that because I want to be what I should be. That's and good. I would I would rather have him do it than a man do it to me. That's good. I mean, you know, the finger pointing type thing. Because the yeah. man, man isn't wise enough to do it the way that it should be. But I can trust yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I like to see that kind of faith. I mean, I, I think I've said it before. You know, I was just amazed at at Paul Washer when he had his his heart attack and mm-hmm. and he was praying. You know, God, if it glorifies you, um, then please heal me. You know, but only if it glorifies you. Mm-hmm. But if it glorifies you in some way, for the, uh, for me to die, well then God kill me. You know, and he was just he was praying that, and it's like, what kind of faith is that? I mean, it's rare for people to pray like that, but it's really understanding God is going to do what's right and glorify, and and we want Him to be glorified even in our death. You know, because uh, it's all about Him. We know He's not going to do anything that's going to 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 be for our bad, right? He's not going to do anything that's going to be um, harmful to us yeah, in, a ter- in an eternal way, in any way whatsoever. That's it, the eternal way. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, because if if I need to go through hard times, if I need to suffer loss, if I need to suffer pain, that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm that stubborn and it takes that in order for me to get the message, then or for him to even use me. Yeah. Then let it be because this life is, is short. I don't yeah. I don't want it, but yeah, I, I give I gave my life to him a long time ago, and it's yeah. it's his to use. So that's right. And I just yeah. know he would deal kindly with me. Yeah. When that's you were good. talking about pride, I was thinking our perfect example of pride is is Lucifer. We see how it it we don't know how long it took, but we know that it crept up on him. He just added. To his pride and added to his pride until he defied God outright, totally. And um, so, pride is such a destroying thing. I mean, it's such a perfect lesson yeah. for people to see what yeah. pride does. Yeah. It's not just him, it took a lot of others down with him. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And that's what, what and pride does, though. Ready to worship him. Yeah. yeah, that's what pride does. Yeah, it, it does. You know, it doesn't care yeah. about anybody, it's yeah. all about the person that's and right. what they want to get out of it. Yeah. I think we're more vulnerable to subtle, as believers, to subtle pride of oh, yeah. um, maybe going through a day without being aware of our dependence on God. You know, I got this, I got this, I got this, and then at the end of the day, I got it all. But the word I is there, where yeah. it should have been God of help me glorify you and all that I do today. And, yeah. Um, so it can be a mind that nobody else even sees, but it's how it starts. Oh, yeah. That's right. We were talking about that pride in uh, class this morning, and I said, you know, when you when you look at someone and you think, man, that person really is just quite a boaster. And I said, well, you really need to have a relationship with someone. 
maybe what you think is mostly is really just their, you know, thankfulness to God and, and there's, you know, they don't, aren't thinking of themselves. They're looking in, in terms of, look what God has done and that's how they're expressing it. But it may sound like boasting, but they're not really boasting about themselves. Yeah. So I think it's important to, for two reasons, to get to know the person to know where they're coming from and mm -hmm. also to have a relationship so that if they really are boasting and full of pride, that you can minister to them. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes confidence can be confused with pride. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And so, like, I'm confident in what I believe because I study the Bible, you know, and I, I believe, you know, and but at the same time, I'm, I also want to be open for correction. Yeah. But there's certain things that I've studied, you know, such as justification. I'm pretty confident that I understand justification. And when somebody comes and, and tries to spin another view, you know, I, I could see that maybe I could come across, across, across as being prideful whenever I disagree, <laughs> you know. So sometimes it can be easy to confuse confidence uh, with pride, too. So, yeah, you're right. It's getting to know the person and, and seeing where, where are they really coming from. Are they really prideful or are they confident because we don't want to go there. But we do know that we each person does struggle with pride, too, you know. And uh, sometimes it's a matter of, what I want to believe, right? Well, it's really the, isn't that the essence of the original sin? Yeah. I want mm -hmm. to be like God. Mm-hmm. Which is what Satan did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of that, too, is is that pride makes you struggle with obeying God. Yeah. Because you have to give up a lot of pride to obey. You have to realize you can't do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Even your or best even you don't want to do it, yeah. and you have to give up a lot of other things to be in obedience to, to Him. Yeah. And that's why when people think, oh, well, the law is no good anymore. I don't have to worry about the law. People forget, mm. as a believer, we have more than the law. We have the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be directing us far beyond what is written. Yeah. And we have to be in obedience to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so a lot of times, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Very difficult. And even the person say, well, I can do that. I've got the talent. I've got the ability. I'm just going to go do it. Not realizing God wanted them to do something else. Yeah. They may be, may be doing a, a right thing, but it may not be a good thing for them. Yeah. It, it may be against what, he, what God wanted yeah. to do and how he wanted them to use their talents and ability. Yeah. Like the man says, I I went to school and I'm a lawyer, so the fact that I'm a lawyer, then that must be what God wanted me to do. But it ends up God wanted him to have that that mm -hmm. ability because he's going to put him in a ministry position where him knowing the law is mm -hmm. going to benefit yeah. the ministry. Not that he was supposed to be a full-fledged lawyer. Yeah, and that circles back to the sovereignty of God, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because God is the one that is propelling us in all things. Yeah. And that gets into providence, too, because providence is just his sovereignty being acted out, right? It's just his sovereign command, what he, what he decrees, acting out. It's like a tidal wave, you know, it's pushing things into, into position. Um, you know, and we have that. We talked about the wills of God and the decreed will of God and how that there's some things that God has decreed, you know, that um, that's going to happen that because he has certain plans. There's other wills of God that can be resisted, you know. And so um, 
So that's that's interesting, but it all has to do with sovereignty, right? It all has to do with sovereignty and how that God is sovereign over all things, and He's present. He's, he never is surprised, right? Because He's in control of everything, of everything. Even even we see that with Joseph, right? Whenever Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers, you remember what he says. Whenever he finally, he's he's over all of them. <laughs> he's over the whole, all of Egypt. And then they come and they're asking him for grain, right? And they realize who he is. You remember what he says to them, you know? You meant it to harm me, but God meant it for good. That's right. Yeah. That's sovereignty. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Me too. Imagine when that happened, when that prophecy was, you know, fulfilled. I mean, Joseph didn't know up to that point. He probably even, maybe even forgot about it. But when that happened, the joy that was was his. Yeah. 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 So I, I just, yeah, definitely to praise God for, yeah. So I told you about this. Now, all these years later, here's the fulfillment of it, and look what you get to be a part of. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Very good. Very good, guys. We're out of time already. I think that was a good good ending, though. We got through Augustine. We'll jump into Calvin next week. And um, we got a lot to cover on him. So um, any other questions or thoughts before we close?